Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We give you thanks for your tender mercies that have been poured out upon us. We give you thanks for the opportunity to dwell together in the house of the Lord that we might experience the provisions of your promises of blessings and eternal life. Join us evermore to your body. Join us evermore to be knitted together by what each member provides or supplies. Each one of us has something to give. And I pray that we would give that and we would serve one another like you have asked us to. When you said that you were among us as one who served that we should follow your example, Lord. Give us that humility and meekness to understand that we're to live like you lived, committed to one another, loving one another. Loving one another is an example of loving God. And put that heart that was in Christ, who did not make it of any reputation to be like God, but he humbled himself and became a humble, obedient servant. And we're here tonight because of him. And we give you thanks for the word of God and ask you to bless it. Because I know it's going to be powerful, Lord. In this season of our life to hear from you, from your scriptures in this manner. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. One of the main characters that's involved in each one of our lives in a very powerful way, and he allows himself to be uh, subtle and deceptive in bringing about his destruction in our lives is Satan. In the last couple of days and weeks, I've been dealing with a family, and the husband will tell me the wife is horrible. The wife will tell me the husband is horrible, and their kids are telling me both mom and dad are horrible. And none of them, not the father, not the mother, not the children, are being able to see who is destroying their lives and their family and the promises and, and the, the purpose that God has for this family. And I told them, listen, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. The, the manifestations of the character, manifestations of character that means what is being revealed if you're gonna if you're gonna see what's taking place first of all it's an accusatorial it's accusatorial where they're calling each other names and and there's only one person who stands before the throne of God day and night accusing the brethren only one person and when you follow after his example, you are just an extension of his character. So it's real easy for us to say, well, Jose is a, and Jordan is a, my husband is a, my wife is a, and all that stuff is just a prolongation, a, a, a continual scenario of only one person. And I want you to know them that, that practice well. His name is Satan. And he is so intertwined in his workings, and he works so stealthily. That means, just like we saw the lions on that video, they, they were, their approach was unseen. Their presence was unfelt. 
And so tonight I, I want us to, uh, to highlight this aspect um, of this individual. And, and we start off with 2 Corinthians 2.11. Where Paul is addressing the church of Corinth, and just like I'm addressing the church tonight, the devil having so many schemes, he has so many ways that he is lining up to ransack our lives. He's he he's already he's already moving in that direction. Uh, for some of us, he's planted seeds in our life from we were in elementary school, when we were um, before elementary. We could recall things, and, and those things are there, dormant. And, and if we're not careful, these things will, will, will move in a direction. But let's read that verse first in 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, um, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He says, let's make sure that what we do is done in such a way that the devil is not taking advantage. That he's not, while we think we're fighting good and we're doing things with a sound reason and we're moving ahead, it's the devil that's actually taking place. It's his life we're living. It's his destruction we are uh, uh, moving forth. He says, be careful lest Satan take advantage. Um, his, score, his score increases. The weight of, of his uh, increase and advantage over us. For, and then Paul says, we are not foolish. We're not ignorant. We don't ignore. Ignore is like we don't pay attention. We're, we're not... We're not we're not aware. He's, he's working in our lives in a way that our radar has not picked him up. And that's how he likes to work the best. That's how he's most effective. That's why the people who don't believe in the devil are the worst off. And then he says, let's beware. Let's, let's be careful. And, and in this particular case that we're reading about this in the book of Corinthians, there was a man who was doing something in the church that was improper. Now, he didn't want to change his ways, and Paul had to tell that man to leave. He said, put him out of the church so Satan, and I'm going to paraphrase, can kick his butt. Let Satan stir him up. So while he gets hurt in the body, his soul is not lost. Because the first thing that happens when, when you're left alone to the devil is there's loss. Does anybody know why? Anybody know why when we're, we're, we're walking in his taking advantage, there's loss? Because he came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He's, he's not interested in you having a good time and yeah. There's, it's fun to be and hang out. and get, The Bible says, give no opportunity for the devil. Don't let the devil have a foothold in your life. Don't let him cut in and, and begin to dance with him like we've seen in our play that we do. Because surely it's, there's an opportunity in a season. He, he looks for an opportunity. You remember when, when he tempted Jesus three times? And then he says, he went away until another opportunity. 
So it's almost like until he's able to come in and not be picked up on the radar. So all these things we start looking at, and I'm not a big prospector of, you know, the devil in, in the sense of um, everything is the devil. Oh, look at those shoes. That's from the devil. Oh, look at that shirt. That's from the devil. Oh, that, that haircut's from the devil. Oh, the eyelashes, definitely from the devil. I'm not into that. But not being into these things at a hyper level, I am into, and you guys know, I'm a watchdog. And I, I can't even, you know what a watchdog does? He hears a noise, he's barking. It might be nothing, it might be a grasshopper, but a good watchdog, is he's awake and he's barking. And so God sometimes has accused his servants of being sleeping dogs. And, and that's, that's horrible. The devil's right there. His vampire fangs are out. Twilight is happening. And, and you are dumb as a doornail. You cannot see how he's going to take advantage to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life. And, and to me, uh, it's always been the case that I'm constantly uh, guarding against and protecting. The Bible says to be sober. That's the word. Be sober. Sober means you're not influenced by things that are la, 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 la. And, and you're like, oh, I like that music. Where's it coming from? And, and you know, you're, you're headed in the direction that you were never supposed to be headed because you're not sober. Let's read that real quickly in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 where we pick up not only that, that we do these things being aware of Satan so he doesn't take advantage. The other word uh, that, that is described in one of the translations biblical. In order that the devil might not outwit us. With, that he not outplay us. So that he might not on a chess set when he, there's moves that compromise and, and hurt you. Because you, you, you let it happen. You weren't aware. Oops, there goes my queen. Oops, there goes my... My, my bishop, uh, my knight. He says, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. Because your adversary, that's one of the names that's given to him. I want to tell you, if you're on his game plan, get ready for setback. Because he's against you. Um, the word adversary means one who opposes. Um, we will talk about the word opposition he's against he's on the other team um, young naive little boys when they played little league and they play basketball they pass it to who to the other team like hey and you're like is this guy on my team or is he whose team is he on and it's just immaturity that causes somebody to Allow the opposition to take advantage. None of us should allow the devil in any of his ways to take advantage. He says, because your adversary, the opponent, the devil, the one who opposes. What does he oppose? He opposes the plan of God for your life. He's, he doesn't want that you might shine for the glory of God. He opposes your family. He opposes your children. If God wants to make your children princes, he wants to make them paupers. The, the word for poor, for stupid, for deprived. 
That's what the devil wants. And so the devil, the adversary, walks about like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. I want to tell you something tonight in this course, um, in, in this direction. The devil picks the most precious people. He's not, he's not picking on a pedophile, assassin, uh, a dirty, depraved, degenerate. No, no, no. He is selecting the precious heart. The Bible says he seeks um, in, in one of the manifestations of the devil's instruments, which is an adulterous woman. He, she seeks a precious soul. And so the most wicked people filled with demons that have walked the earth have at one time been the most precious of souls. The most, the most amazing people are taken over by the very depth of hell. A friend of mine uh, who passed away already and is one of our spiritual fathers in the faith, David Wilkerson, he has a, a teaching that is talking about the hunted, the hunter. Now he's talking about how the devil is looking, and I don't know if you've ever seen a hunter. Have you guys ever been into hunting? What's a hunter do? He's hot on the tracks of the one he will hunt. He's looking for ways to pursue with, with all intentional and deliberate acts. And, and uh, all, some of these hunters, I don't know if you've seen them, they, 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 they pour on perfume to kill the human fragrance. So the devil doesn't want you to see him devouring. Listen to me. If you saw... Uh, two horns, a pitchfork, and a, a tail that has a little, you would run. You would run in a heartbeat. He's not going to show up in that manifestation. Um, one of the powerful verses, uh, if you give me time that I can look up, uh, that is the most controversial, uh, the most controversial portrait of Satan's uh, dressing up in his, his uh, virtual reality gar garments, right, um, is when Peter is talking to the Lord, um, and he says, Lord, don't you, let's go to Matthew 16, 23. No, 22, Matthew 16, 22. Peter says, hey, come here, Lord. And he grabs him and he pulls him to the side. Listen to me. I just want to tell you, be careful when, when here, hey, come here. I want to tell you something. Um, you shouldn't go to the cross. Man, have pity on yourself. Don't, don't put yourself through this stuff. You, you don't have to take the burden of the whole world. You don't have to care for other people. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. What, what, what are you doing, Lord? What do you mean you're going to go to the cross and die? Are you crazy? Keep it down. You don't have to tell anybody you're the Lamb of God. You, you don't have to sit there and sacrifice yourself. And be, I don't know what Peter told them, but all this accumulation of words came to the part where he told them, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. That this 
this would occur to you, that you would go to a cross and suffer for people who don't care for you? You don't have to do this. And in that interchange, Jesus is being receptive. In verse 23, he says, hey, devil, get lost. He turned and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He said to Peter, you're the, you're the devil. The devil was using Peter at that moment, telling Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die for these people. Have pity on yourself. Have compassion for you. Poor old you. And the truth of the matter, he says, for you are not mindful of the things of God. You, you haven't thought like God. Listen to me. Is there anything more devilish than not thinking like God? Whenever anything is not lined up with the, with the design and the words of God, straight from the pit of hell. There's only two kingdoms. A king Jesus and king devil. And when somebody is speaking against the call of God, the cause of God, that's, that's an instrumentality of Satan. He says, he says, get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God. But you're, you are judging matters according to how men see things. Can, can we be careful and say, Lord, give me some spiritual vision so I can see what devils are talking to me? So I could, I could filter where, what are the directions of the words that are coming, listen to me, if I fill my heart with compassion and pity, pastor, nobody loves you. You don't have to be living your life for everybody else. You can go and do your own thing. Listen to me, straight from the pit of hell, straight. I need to listen to God. I need to be attuned and radar because when I listen to God and I lose my life, I will save it. But I listened to the devil and I saved my life, I would have lost it. So in all these things, and I'll tell you that, that we'll get into it slowly and carefully because I, I want to tell you that there are levels of what we're talking about tonight that we need to grow in. I, I can't even, I, like Paul says, I can't even bring what I wanted to bring because I know that this is the first step in that direction. We need to understand the first step, the baby steps. And so in that regards, we know a couple things. We've already learned a couple things. One, we are aware of Satan so he doesn't take out with us and take advantage. And, and when we think that we're, it, it used to happen all the time. As, as your kid, as your, uh, you ever have, um, they gave a little boy a $100 bill. And then somebody came up with a pocket full of quarters. And went, jinga, 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 jinga. I got a jinga, jinga, jinga. You want to trade? And his $100 bill wasn't making no noise. And he says, yeah, give me. And he goes, okay, give me the $100 bill. And he just swapped $1.50 for $100. Because he had no ability. And a lot of us, the devil is a jinga, 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 jinga. You don't have, and you swap. You swap what is not valuable for what is extremely precious which is extremely valuable. And you're trading things away because we don't have we don't have the understanding. We don't have the knowledge. And so that's why Jesus says, Peter, you're thinking not like God. You're thinking like men. You've gotten in the flesh. You're judging matters according to the jinga jinga. And not according to the God who sees true value. And he sees down the road and he's advising you and he's warning you. But you don't know. 
So in this course, here we go in this direction. Uh, the devil is an adversary. When you teen up with the devil, you're going backwards. The devil, Jesus came and delivered a man's house, right, the parable. He delivered him a demon. The house was cleaned. Everything was prepared. And he did not fill it. He didn't walk in purpose. What happened? Seven worse. That's, that's perfect evil. Seven. Seven spirits worse. Uh, uh, you know, the, the old spirits say, hey, buddies, there used to be a house over here I used to have. And they kicked me out. But there's no Jesus living there. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no wisdom. There's rebellion. There's disobedience. There's walking in darkness. Let's go. And he calls. I don't know what the seven buddies are. I, I don't know what they want, but I don't want them anywhere near my neighborhood. I don't want them anywhere knocking on my door or flirting to take over. Um, the other day, somebody was telling me that there was an abandoned house, and they went up to it, and somebody's living inside. And I was like, ooh, hey, don't, don't leave your house abandoned. Proclaim, put, put out there. And that's what I've always done this in my buildings and on the physical realm. I want something to identify who I am with the fact that God is here. And if God is here, nobody could show up. Nobody could show up. And ransack my house and ransack my office and ransack my family. I got the banner of God's love over my life. That's his banner. And I, this week, if you guys were following the Facebook scenario, I said that love is based on obedience. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. I love you, Lord. I don't want to obey your commandments, though. He goes, you don't love me. Love comes with the sacrifice of love. If there's no sacrifice of obedience, there's no love. First, uh, First John 5.3, we brought it up also. He says, in this we know we love God. Because we walk in obedience to his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we walk in his commandments. And his commandments are not bothersome to us. Because the more they tell me what I need to do, the more it's an opportunity for me to show my love. And it happens in a relationship, and it happens in our walk with God. It happens with loving the things of God. Who belong to God? Those that love the things of God. Those that love what God loves. Uh, this, uh, this aspect of him being the opposer. He opposes God, he resists. He's not easily led into the direction God wants. God wants us to obey. He wants you to disobey. His, his is contrary. I met a gentleman. Uh, I was at the mall last, last week, and I was talking to one of the security guards, and I said to him, um, Pastor Rivera, Rivera, who works here, is a, a real serious man. He goes, no, he's not serious. And he was saying serious with respect to a sad, serious man. I was saying serious with respect that he keeps rules and he's honest. So he told me he's not serious. He's a joyful guy. I go, okay. I go, well, he's a pastor and he doesn't lie. He goes, well, some pastors do lie. And so that's the second time he spoke to me contrary. I wasn't asking him, do some pastors lie? I was saying Pastor Rivera is a pastor who doesn't lie. And he, he contradicted me. And then finally I said, um, Something with respect to him, how he works at the mall. And he says, I don't know. And he does know because all the people that there, they do the same thing. I said, you know something? You have some serious problems. And he's like, what? I said, you're a rebel. 
Because I've talked to you about three things, and in all three things, you have contradicted me, and I'm not contradicting you. I'm, you know, I, and I said, I would like to know where your children are. I'm, I'm sure they're rebels too. And I'm sure you don't even have a pastor. Who's your pastor? He said he was a Christian. He says, my pastor's in heaven. So he can't even have a pastor on earth because he's such a rebel. I said, brother, you need a pastor on earth or else you're a goat. You're not a sheep. God gave pastors as a gift to his people to mature his people, to rebuke his people, to, to lead his people in the purposes of God. I just told a man today that was in my car, I said, you don't even know what a gift it is to hang out with a man who would teach you the way of the Lord. You don't even know what a blessing that is for you. And, and, and we know, we, we serve the Lord, we, we know that we walk with God, and the things that happen to God are going to happen to us, and, and, and we withstand all opposition. And, and the Bible actually tells us that in a particular verse, um, 2 Timothy, you're going to see this, it's really powerful, where he says, sometimes the devil will take people captive to do his will. He's not, he's not here to take you for a merry-go-ride. Second uh, Timothy 2.26. He says like this. He says, there are some people that will be contrary to anything you tell them. And they may come. Let's read um, the verse before. One more. One more. Avoid foolish, ignorant disputes, knowing that the only thing that it does when you start arguing is it generates the atmosphere of hell. Listen, there is such chaos in hell, nobody agrees with anything. Yes, no, that's just schizophrenia. What you say? I don't care. <laughs> this is confusing people. There's no unity in heaven, I mean in hell. In heaven, everything is yes and amen. We'll be united. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. What do you think? Yeah, let's go. And, but in hell, it's all contrary. It's all opposing. It's all adversarial. This is the courthouse. There's two sides fighting against each other. The adversarial process. In heaven, there's none of that going on. In heaven, everybody is in agreement. The Holy Spirit comes when the, when the power of God comes upon you. He says, then you will be my witnesses. When there's unity, when the Spirit of God is upon you, then you guys will know that this is Christianity. Avoid foolish arguments because that just generates strife and confusion. And what he say, I don't know, but I think he said, and she was really saying, she wasn't there. Yeah, but she was still saying it. And all that confusion, it just generates an atmosphere for who? For Satan. And then the next verse says, avoid that stuff. Because a servant of the Lord must not be full of contention, contrariness, quarrel. He must not uh, be against and opposite. He must be gentle. He must be able to teach. He must be patient. All these things are opposite from the devil. He likes to quarrel. He's never gentle. He, he doesn't like to teach anybody. He doesn't want to show the way. He's not patient. Verse 25. In humility... In, in, a, in a subsetting of correction, those who are in who? Opposition. Who do you think they're following? The opposer, the adversary. Try and get them to, to hey, Palma, you want to come up here? This is, nobody likes to be told they're going in the wrong direction. So if this man is walking this way, I say, hey, 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 listen, 
um, if, uh, and, and in gentleness to bring them in the direction. Some people, leave me alone. I want to go. And you just go and, and you know, you cry and you're like. <laughs> he, it says, in gentleness, trying to correct those who are in opposition because there's just a chance. Perhaps God will grant them repentance. Repentance means turning around. To do an about face, man. You, you were just going, oh, you were going to die, man. You're just going to die. And so, thank you. Um, so, this is what God is saying that perhaps there's a chance. Some people would say, hey, forget about it. There, no, listen to me. There's a chance. Perhaps, say God, will grant. Who, who does God give stuff to? The humble. If there's no humility, there is no chance for God to grant anything. Why? Because God, not the devil, God resists the proud. The people that, God is like, you know. So perhaps God will grant them repentance so they may know truth. But now look at the verse 26. If they don't acknowledge this and that they've come to their senses... Why? They were under deception. They were in an emotional state of frustration, confusion. And, and he says, if they come to their uh, senses, if they're able to wake up and smell the coffee, they will escape, say with me, the snare of the devil. Well, we were talking about the advantage, the, the devouring feature of the devil. If, if they repent, if they, if they love truth, listen to me, loving truth is the hallmark of being delivered by Satan. You need to love truth. I love truth, and I want truth for you. But if you don't want truth, and you don't love truth, my Jesus said, my Jesus said, in John 8, 32, you will know truth, and the truth will set you free. Set you free from what? The captivity. The snare. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. What if, what if you don't come to knowing what truth is? You continue on in the direction. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 2, 26. He says, if you continue to go in the direction of, and, and you're snared and, and you haven't escaped, you've been taken captive. You're held by a foot. Do you think the devil just wants to hold you or he wants to use you? He wants to use you. He says, to be taken captive by him. Who's him? To do his will. So I don't know what direction it is, the plans that the devil has for you, but I know that, that he would love to fulfill his destruction through you. And so we see that, that the word Satan appears 47 times in the, in, in the scriptures. The, the word Satan um, is, is used all over. In Zechariah 3 verse 1, the Old Testament, there's a portion of scripture there. He says, Satan, the one who's always critical, always pointing at the, the brethren. Look, look what it says here. Zechariah 3 1. You have that up there? Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. He was seeing Joshua there before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to do what? To oppose him. Opposing is, is that, that, that hand that goes out saying, hey, mister, you're not going to walk any further. You're not going to go in the purposes of God. You're not going to be able to, to walk and fulfill the promises of God. 
He's an opposition, and he's, he's our greatest opposition. And, uh, you know, he cannot overpower God unless you give him authority. He can't force himself. He, he cannot kick down a door. The door is closed. Now, that's the difference between a burglar and a robber. A burglar needs to break to get in. And so the Bible says that he's not a burglar, he's a robber. He takes what is exposed. If you open the door, he'll come in. People that I've seen that have great um, opposition in their life, they can't pray, they can't worship God, they can't go to church, they're just stuck in great opposition. I tell them, you have a door, you have a window, you have something in your life that's letting him in. Uh, you know, unbelief. Uh, when you're cynical, when you have something, when you're rebellious and can't break it, there's an open door. There's an open door. And so I encourage the people, I could kick the devil out today, but he'll come right back in tomorrow. Because you still have an area in your life. It might be pride. It, it might be attitudes that, of unforgiveness. And really important that we might close the doors and the windows. We'll get into that later. Right now we're into the person of understanding his snares. He's called the destroyer. It's not a battleship. In 1 Corinthians 10.10, people don't realize that he says, be careful because one of the sins that were committed in the Old Testament that brought death over Israel was their murmuring, their private complaint. Listen, there's no raw, there's no, there's no nothing that exposes you to demonic activity when you want to know something. When you want to know something, go and ask and find out. And, and, and the Bible says if we don't understand what we're supposed to understand, we pray about it. We're trying to, we're trying to find truth. We're trying to find the answers. We're, we're to open up and speak all things. But then there are hidden, subtle Soft complaints, man, I don't, I can't believe what's going on, and, and it just doesn't mean right, and I'm just, I'm tired, and I quit, and I, that, that's called murmuring. The Lord he hears that, the devil hears that, and it's almost like you ringing a bell for this guy to come, because his greatest strength is his words. That's the devil's greatest strength. He's able to lie. And when he speaks, the Bible says he's been the liar since day one. And if you are in that attitude, disposition, mindset, and heart, it's easy for him to speak a lie. Well, you know what happens? They just don't love you. As soon as he's able to throw that into your murmuring and complaining and negative, you will walk out on your wife. You will walk out on your children. You will walk out on your employment. You will, work out, you will walk out on life. You'll commit suicide. Because in that negative spiel of his crazy, chaotic lifestyle, because truth has no, no access to you, the Bible says, do not complain as some of them complain, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. That's New Testament. People in the New Testament is like, man, that's Old Testament stuff. No, listen to me. This is Paul telling the people in Corinth, do not engage in that activity because the Satan will pick it up and run with it in his direction. 
He will destroy a house, a family, a church. He will destroy all things because he came. John 10.10 says what? Jesus, Jesus gave us this thing. The thief, or in the translation that's proper, the robber cometh not. He's not selling Girl Scout cookies. He's not offering you a chair that gives you a massage. He comes not but to steal. I was talking to a Jehovah Witness on Sunday. And I said, look, just because you got involved in something that is not from the Lord, it's a false religion, they don't believe you're going to heaven, they don't believe you're going to hell, and they don't believe that, um, that Jesus is God. We'll talk about it later. But isn't that amazing when you start listening to the devil, he starts stealing from you the very things God has given him. He says, I go to prepare a place for you so where I am, there you may be. We're going to heaven. My father's house has many mansions. And they're telling you that heaven, you're not going to heaven because you don't qualify. And so if you believe the devil, he lies to you to steal what God has for you. Oh, you're so ugly, you'll never get married. Listen, <laughs> with all due respect, here it goes, ready? I've seen the ugliest people married. The ugliest people in the world. You said they would never get married. We saw Bernadette Todd. Not that she's ugly, but she's paralyzed. Paralyzed. You know, she, she has, what's the, the, the disease? She has an illness. Spinal, the spinal. Uh, she has something with her spine. She never was able to grow. Spinal bifida. And, and she was going to college, and the guy that opened the door, a six-foot guy, blue eyes, strong, he fell in love with her. And he says, I want to marry you. I and she's going to be coming. She's, she's called us these days. She wants to come again. And they got married. And not that she's ugly. She's a beautiful woman. But the scenario is you need to believe God. Because if you sit there, oh, nobody loves me, and I can't believe it, and the pastor doesn't even want me to date. How am I supposed to? Listen to me. The devil's going to eat your lunch. The devil's going to eat your lunch if you start being in that scenario. So it says that he came to steal. He came to kill. Listen to me. Best friends have been separated because of lies of the enemy being sown. Women have left their husband because of lies. Husbands have left wives because of lies. Children have stopped talking to their parents because of lies. People leave church all the time because of a bunch of lies. Because the devil will take that precious. He will steal. He will kill. And then he says he's not content with just taking and separating. That's what the word kill means. But he's into destroying. I've, I've never seen the devil says, okay, this guy has already lost his job. He lost his wife. He lost his family. I guess I'll leave him alone. Until he doesn't see this guy eat dirt and cut his head off and flush it down the toilet. He's not happy. The devil wants to bring incredible damage. And, and you know what? I've often told people, this is, they, they tell me, Pastor, it can't get any worse for me. And I'm like, oh, wait, excuse me. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. I've seen it. Don't ever get to the point where you say, well, who cares? It's not going to get any. Listen, you want to make a bet? He'll get it really upside down because he's a wicked. That's the word that is used to refer to him. He is the substance of wickedness. He is horrible. Why does he have anything against us in the first place? Does anybody know? 
Why is he picking on us? Well, who are we that we have like a bullseye right behind our back? Get William. What would you do to the devil? You didn't do nothing to the devil. He's just outright wicked. He hurts good people. He hurts good families. He'll get a perfectly normal young girl and make her a crack addict, prostitute. He'll get a perfectly young man who will sit there and, and believe that he's not fit to live. I used to the young man that I met many years ago, he tried to commit suicide like seven times. I was like, man, death really doesn't want you. He says, Pastor, I'm ugly. I look in the mirror and that's a monster. You know, I, I said, Lord, I've never met anybody who thinks he's ugly. This is some of the ugliest people standing in front of a mirror going. <laughs> I have never met anybody who thinks they're ugly. And this man says he looked in the mirror and he saw an ugly image there. And then the Lord says, Joaquin, it's not that he thinks he's ugly. Is he so proud he wants to be better looking? He's operating in pride, and that's why the devil has his lunch, and that's why he's committing suicide. And so we need to walk in humility because as God embraces the humble, listen, the devil's over there calling out to the proud. Come on, baby. Come on. You're my lunch today. Why? They walk in arrogance. They walk resisting the will of God. They resist authority. They do not want to listen. If I yell loud enough, I don't have to listen to you. That's pride. The Bible says to walk in humility, clothed in humility. And so in that regards, we see him. Uh, I want to tell you where he's at right now. Is that okay that I tell you? Because we've run out of time. Revelations chapter 12 will tell us where the devil is right now. And the Bible says that he's seeking a precious soul in those that are at church. He's seeking those that worship God. Revelations 12, verse 4. With his tail he drew a third of the stars of the heaven and he threw him down to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. The devil is kneeling down, looking at the church, because inside the church there's a male son that's going to be born. They're the overcomers. And he doesn't care about the church that doesn't care about God. He cares about that precious People that are connected, really united inside that woman. And he's saying, who is taking God serious so that I could devour them before they're taken up to the presence of God in the rapture? The Bible says as soon as that child is born, it says it was caught up to God. It was taken up to God. But the dragon was before the woman. And he was seeking, he was, he was trying to find how he could grab that child before it was caught up to the heavens. And it says in verse 5, she bore a male child who would rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was born and caught up to God in his throne. That special people, really deep connected into the body of Christ that's developing there. It's really, it's, it's, it's 
this male child each day is looking more like Christ. He's taking the image of Christ. He's growing in character. He's growing. It's not everybody in the church. You guys know that, right? Everybody comes to church. But there's a select few that are inside being, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but um, the Bible says being transformed from glory to glory into his image. They, they're serious about God. Uh, in the last couple of days, I've heard a couple of men of God says, um, one of them was um, Doug Stringer. He says, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about those that, that don't go to church that are the church. It's a big difference. It's a big difference between those who come and visit us and say like this, and as soon as the, ver the, 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 the service is over, they take off. And then the ones that are getting prepared for ladies with dignity, that are uh, participating as an usher, they come to rehearse for music. That's the church. Those who serve others is the church. Not those that are being served. It's those that have already, they, you know, Christ has already gotten off the cross. The real church is on the cross saying, not my will, his be done. Not Christ, not, not uh, he says, not that I live, but Christ lives in me. These people, they don't give opportunity to the devil. They don't talk what they shouldn't talk. They don't listen to what they don't, shouldn't listen to. They're walking in obedience. They're walking in humility. They're listening to God. They're, they're listening to God's spirit. They're walking in the will of God. The Bible says there will be two in bed. One will be taken and the other left behind. A husband and wife. The husband is like, Lord, all I want to do is please you. All I want to do is live for your glory. And and he is taken and the wife is, is left behind. Is that in your Bible too? Two shall be sleeping. One shall be taken, the other left behind. Or it, it might be a husband who doesn't, I just go to church because my wife, yeah, she makes me go to. And the wife is like, Lord, I want to please you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to be the bride of Christ. I want to be adorned in those. Forget about the, what the world is attracting me to come to be dressed in temporary garments. I want to be the bride of Christ. I want to be gloriously adorned for my, my beloved. And you'll see that in the songs of Solomon. That's what it's all about. She says, I'm seeking to please my beloved. She's not full of gossip and complaints. And Did you notice that nobody sat next to you? Listen to me. That's straight from the pit of hell. Get away from that witch. Get her saved. Because your adversary, the devil is seeking whom he could use as his puppet. Guillermo Aguayo came here to the men's commissioning. He says, don't be like Solomon. Don't be a, a toy for the devil to play with. Don't be a toy so the devil can paw you around like, like cats do with their little toy. It's going to be awful that day. Let's stand tonight. And we, we've gotten a little bit through this. Um, I think it's been favorable. I think it's been helpful. I think it's been a timely word for us. I, I hope that you begin to put your radar up, you know, to be sober, to be vigilant. Be careful with your thoughts. Be careful with your words. Be careful, you know, uh, Ravi Zacharias was here a couple of weeks ago, if not last week, I think. And he was talking about being in the emergency room, uh, a, a doctor that was treating a patient and got a paper cut. But the patient had AIDS. And so the doctor was freaking out that he was going to, you know, have a virus and, and, and be contaminated.
because he wasn't careful. And, and then Ravi says this, forget about he who could destroy the physical body. Be careful for him that could destroy your soul and to take you to hell. One offense, one word said out of season, one, one attitude, one emotion, one, one, one disposition. And, and so in that manner, we pray, Father, deliver us from the snare of the evil one. Him who has a strategic ambush on families and on men and on women and children. That he might divert them, that he might sequester them, that he might kidnap them with the purpose of fulfilling his will over their lives. We pray that your grace might keep us in humility, in obedience, in loving truth. That we give no place to the evil one, to the opposer, to the adversary. That we might be aware lest he take advantage and put us in a snare and divert our calling and purpose to change the world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Give each other a big hug and say, let's not let the devil in.